Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Coffee and cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. Back on third down and four screen out to McCaffrey. Blocked by Burford. Ten. Cuts back inside five. McCaffrey all the way to the goal line and in. Touchdown! San Francisco! Back to throw. They're going to throw it and try to run around. And they get it to Wilson. Wilson throws it back to Flacco. Flacco, you don't want him to have it. He throws it to another one of the other men. They're going backward toward the end zone. And this one is over. It's taken by the Dolphins, and it's safety. They bring four. Pickett throws it down the middle. Touchdown, George Pickens. Pickett to Pickens from 31 out. Empty backfield. Oh. Brown's going to throw from the Finish. end zone. Oh. Hit and brought down. Throws out. the ball. The ball touchdown. comes out. Recovered for a touchdown. Puts his foot into the ball. It's going to be short. Fielded at the four by Hines. Coming straight up the middle to the 20. Cuts it back in the 25. He's got an alley down the right sideline to the 40. 50. Down to the 40. 35. 30. 20. 15. 10. 5. Touchdown. Naheem Hines. 96 yards. Run, run as fast as you can. You're not catching Hines. He's your end zone man. Buffalo on the board with the first play from scrimmage. Hey, good morning, everybody. Monday morning on Coffee and Cream in the morning alongside Damon Benning. Morning. (laughs) That wasn't a very enthusiastic morning. Oh, man, you know, listen, I'm ready to roll, man. It's it's work. It's what we do. It's actually, a lot of times it's not even really considered work. The hard part will be condensing fitting everything in man it's, it's so a, much happened this weekend lot, it started lot, on friday a lot a lot going on we heard from marcus satterfield we heard from tony white we'll get into some of that we'll talk to sam McEwen at eight o'clock he had some good pieces on both of those stories a lot going on in the nfl say he's just like you think he is i wondered <laughs> right just because i've you know we, uh, talked to him like at school and at in different settings right. other than at a presser, it's ex- it's about exactly what I thought. <laughs> Buckle up. Right on the menu. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what you see is what you get. Mm-hmm. and uh, I think you uh, you can see a lot of that in Tony White, too. Yes. And, and with Sad, I, you know, I think you have to be pretty secure, right? He, he, str- he, he may talk to you a little reckless at times, <laughs> say some <laughs> things that I just don't think he's going to be like this wordsmith that's going to mince words. I think he's... We're going to try to set a clear expectation, and, and I mean, I think that's how he's going to talk to you. So I think part of having some success here at the quarterback spot will be the ability to take in and receive information and keep it moving, right? Because it may not be, hey, man, how was this morning? You good? Anything I can get for you today? There may be a little bit of that, but my man likes football, and everything is a competition. Everything is a competition, so – 
We'll see how that plays. We'll talk week 18 playoff picture. We'll talk Nebraska basketball and their overtime victory against Minnesota. We'll talk Creighton basketball as they dropped a close one to UConn. Just tons to get to. We'll speak with Jim Duggan, the father of Max Duggan at 745. Again, Sam McEwen at 8. Brent Soboleski, got that right, Shaner? That is correct. One that. down, one to go. And then um, we still need to <laughs> check on the pronunciation of Mark's last name because I want to be exact when I get it right, but um, I believe it's Weiser. Weiser. Talking dogs. Go some, dogs. Some Georgia Bulldogs. That's at 840. So a packed show. We'll try to get into everything. But before we do that, everybody have a good weekend? Good yeah, weekend? Week, weekend was good. Shane, what? Well, Shane was uh, Shane had six. Was it sixteen hundred views? Shane, two thousand views. How many on views? the Rubik's cube? No, no that was... my man lost a tire <laughs> driving around. He hit a Grand Canyon size. I saw hole. that. In case but you I haven't been here long enough, or put together the Rubik's cube, you know you're going to get a few of those. So drive and proceed with caution. How many views was that for that fixed tire, Shane? Uh, Twelve thousand. Twelve thousand. Wow. So not quite. That either. was interaction or views? Views. It's pretty good. Oh my gosh! Yeah, well, people I mean, care. Cost him two hundred bucks. Would you advertise like that? Twelve thousand views. To, <laughs> to totally worth for it for two hundred bucks. I, I I'm, a, I'm without a car for six hours, There's, but oh man, that was worth and it. And you know what? You happen to be in good proximity to uh, a place that could help you out for, with your tire sitch, right? So, Jensen Tire. I was so, literally about three. I was about eight blocks from there. Yeah, so free, I just drove free, right there. Free shout out to a non-endorser. Not a problem. Mm-hmm. What you weren't supposed to do was mention who that was, but good on that. Well, they place. did a nice job. I mean, an hour and a half too, right? Got in, got hour out, and pretty a half, much. Got in, got right out. They, uh, they Shane only, method. They that's only, not bad. They that's only called really my car. Good. They called my car Mitsubishi, which it wasn't. So I mean, they did a pretty good job. <laughs> so it is <laughs> a, it's a it's a it's a Hyundai, right? Hyundai, yeah. What is it? Hyundai. Hyundai, like mm-hmm. Honda or Hyundai? No, it's Hyundai. Not a Honda. <laughs> Hyundai. <laughs> it's Hyundai, isn't it's it? It's Hyundai. Yeah. How do you say it again, Shane? Hyundai. It's not a Hyundai? What is it? What are you? How do you say it? It's a Tiburon. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not talking about the golf course in town. <laughs> it's, um, a, it's a Hyundai Tiburon. Oh, God bless Shane. He made you special. What about you? Uh, my weekend was cool. It was, it was packed with high school basketball. Yeah, and youth, so... Cool thing was my and Caleb Millard Westside played Millard North, so normally it's go to one school, quick get to the next. This one was easy because we stayed at the same school. Micah played Friday night. Caleb played Friday night. Uh, uh, my played Northwest on Friday. Then they played two schools played each other on Saturday. And was a big one, and, and uh, Micah had a tournament. His I Have a Dreams Hoops Classic. Down at the field house where we saw some good basketball. So uh, yesterday was was pretty chill, right? Because uh, my little guy's team didn't – it is a tough tournament. And they were second in their – they were second in their pool, so they didn't get a, a Sunday game. You were, it was a three-game guarantee. They went 2-1 and one and didn't play on the weekend, which is rare. I just, it's just a tough tournament. And then uh, – um, they went up to 118 building, got some shots up, and uh, I did a skirt steak and some smoked shrimp for fajitas. So they chilled. Sounds like a very a lot, game. lot, lot of basketball. I I forgot how much I don't enjoy being in gyms all day. 
But it was, it, it's cool, the bleachers though. Bleachers aren't the most comfortable seat. And I and I sit in the same spot in almost every high school venue. It's, Where's that? It's a it's usually a corner behind one of the benches, preferably the visiting team. This so lesson, you can chirp because you're a huge chirp. Yeah, I didn't say one word except I sat with Coach Lamangi. Uh, he came to the Westside Miller North game, so I sat in the corner with him, close to the close to the door. Very much so. Yeah, you, you, that is you in a nutshell. Very much like, so. Hey, but you know, I didn't like. I didn't. I, I didn't, need to know my exit strategy. Didn't say much of uh, much of anything. Let's is a good weekend of of uh, high school hoops, and that's it. Let's start walking. Get my little thirty-five minutes in. New I have year, this new you. I don't know about that. I just kind of want. I want to. I want to. So I always have different things that I like to challenge myself with. One, you know, one year I may want a two-pack. One year I may want to. I don't know. It just depends. You know, one year I, I may want that like cake. one year. One year I want. I may want to like be able to go. I may want to be able to hit a a heavy bag for twelve minutes mm-hmm. or nine minutes or something like that. Doesn't seem like a long time. No, it is. Three, <laughs> three. One an, minute's a long time. Three's an eternity. <laughs> so, like, I mean, you know, it was uh, it was Operation Chill. The weather wasn't too bad either. I I'm not a hurry up and get winter over guy. So, that I me? I enjoy like the cold weather. You're getting some sun for the heliotropes, so they'll be cool. You know, some people need sun, and I don't want them struggling. So. But I, I, I like the weather this week, and I'm good. I found myself in the ER on Saturday. What happened? So Ashley. Mary Kate and Ashley. <laughs> woke up hunched over Mm-mm. and with ex- an extensive amount of pain down by her groin, uh-huh. like on the right side. Yeah. And uh, we worried it was her appendix. Yeah. So we went into the ER, and... Fortunately, it wasn't very packed. Normally, when you go to the ER, you're rolling the dice, right? Saturday morning? uh, Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Early, maybe even early afternoon. Okay. So, at this point, we're partially through the day. Yeah. You never really know what you're going to get. And we went to the hospital over in Papillion. Signed her all in. Like, you know, I don't like hospitals. She doesn't like hospitals. I don't think a lot of people like being at the hospital. Uh, So, you know, a little bit of anxiety there. Got her all signed in. Not really knowing what's going on. Um, took her to the OB room, and they just ran a CAT scan. They did a um, oh MRI. No, um, uh, why can't I think of it? I don't know. It, it they did a CAT scan, and then they did an ultrasound. Okay, I knew it started with a U. I don't um, know. Me neither. Fortunately, it wasn't. Uh, the appendix. She had a cyst burst in her oh. ovaries. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. It's a lot going on. Right. So um, <laughs> TMI, I guess, for some of our listeners. Yeah. You know, like, I guess I should have had hey, a disclaimer out good, there. Good. Good Monday morning to you, folks. I should have had a disclaimer out there. Is she? So she's cool. She's cool now. Guess how you beat something like that. Um, I had one removed from my hip. Is it rest? Essentially, it's Tylenol and, and you know, you just kind of time. Tylenol yeah. and time. I yeah, think I, had a, I had one removed from my hip. This is early 2000s. And it, it looked like kind of the, the head of an eraser. Mm-hmm. But by the time Dr. Herter pulled it out, it was like an eyeball. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Yeah, stuff happens. So, 
it, it's interesting though because for the weekend, so that was right dab smack in the middle of, or probably the end of the Creighton and the Nebraska game, mm-hmm. and you're at the hospital. Yep. So that that game was going on, following it to a T, and then boom, hit me with a curveball. We're at the hospital. Then it's the start of the Chiefs Raiders game. Yeah. And then we were still at the hospital for the evening game. Disres- disrespect what the Chiefs did to the Raiders? Yes. <laughs> In You're, regards to ring around the rosy. Dude, that was wild. They are just playing with their food. That, I mean, that, is, <laughs> you know that was. I, mean? I don't know if I call that cocky or just weird. So at, <laughs> at the high school basketball game, you could just see people like looking at their phones and they're talking to one another. Because <laughs> Queen looked at me and he goes, did you see what the Chiefs just did to the Raiders? And then he shows me, and then I had to show Coach Lamangi, and it's like, oh, wait, there's a game going on. But I was floored. But if you were at the hospital early Saturday afternoon, you missed both games between mm-hmm. the local teams uh, of Red and, and Blue Nebraska, of Nebraska and Creighton. How about the runs in those games? Like yeah. if, you, if you went away for like four minutes and you came back, the score was drastically different than when what you first yeah, saw. It was, like, it was seven point difference, and then was, all of a sudden it's a two point lead for and, your team. Yeah, and then you know Creighton makes a run, then UConn makes a run, and in Nebraska, Minnesota was a game of many runs, like M I N I. And I was just thinking, wow, just the, the spurt. Ability. And she made me laugh too because she's on she's on the table and she's like, Andrew, I knew you wanted to sports bet today. Why didn't you find a hospital in Iowa? And I go, Were you looking? I go, No joke. I looked up some hospitals in Iowa, but then I'm like, No, she's the priority. You like, can't. I can't. I you can't. contemplated it. Though. I did. I I low key contemplated she, she's, it. She's, she's got she's her so hands funny. full. It, it was cool to see if you start with Nebraska, just their ability to withstand, right? Because and that's a game they had to have, in my opinion, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you got a brutal week coming up. Uh, it'll start with not Illinois. a very good Minnesota team. No, and you you had to win that game. And I think uh, you withstood some things. Uh, you you corrected a little bit of what ailed you against Michigan State. You were you had gotten pummeled on the boards. Minnesota rebounds the basketball well. You found a way to to hold that down uh, and dominate the glass against. Those guys, D. Walk was was the man. Sensational. He looks like a running back every time. He, I feel like I make this comparison all the time, but he doesn't look like your standard big man down low. Just he throw, gets the ball at the elbow, and he's throwing dimes too. He finished right. with like seven assists. But he's just he tucks the ball, and then he doesn't even look when he throws it off the glass. It's almost muscle memory for he's, him. He's so crafty around the rim because he's a below-the-rim player for all intents and purposes. And he's not your biggest big man. He's but wide. He is, he's but strong. he is thick and strong. He, I love how he uses his shoulders. You know, and now he's, he's showing you the ability to turn over either shoulder. Because when you can do that, because he's pretty good with his left hand now too, finishing around the rim. Uh, that that was a good one, and they needed that one, and it sets up for a late. Is it an is it an eight o'clock tip against Illinois? It's a late guy. I mean, that's kind of late in Lincoln. I know the fans don't love those games, but I I'm guessing PBA will be rocking. If you don't love it, leave. For that one against Illinois, so. Uh, I think Nebraska needed that one, and they did it with some resolve after kind of a little bit of a lackluster performance, at least in the first half against the Spartans. Right. Credit two things there. The team's resilience to keep rallying 
even after the three by Minnesota to send it to OT yeah, because yeah. that gets overlooked a lot. Oh, yeah. When, it, when a team puts that ball in the net, you, you, you're thinking you're going into OT with all the momentum, and how do you shut that down? So good on the Huskers to kind of come out right away and insert their dominance mm. twice. And then the team's offensive ability – settling for the best look almost every possession on the floor. I they never had a forced look. Man, I thought it was cool, too, because – and you see this happen at the at the lower levels a lot. Like, and just so happens I saw a ton of it in, in, in youth and in high school. One end of the court doesn't didn't affect Nebraska's other end of the court, right? Bandamel didn't shoot it well, but I thought he was fantastic defensively. Um Shoot, C.J. Wiltshire didn't even get any shots. Well, he did. I think it was he, he was 0 for, mm-hmm. 0 for 3, maybe something like that. He wasn't getting any shots up. He makes some good plays late. Vandermeer's ability to guard, share, and distribute the rock. Like I like the fact that one end didn't affect the other for those guys as they found a way to get her done. I like also Jawan Gary's play he's so re- he's, he's really coming along, isn't he? Like, that's one of those things that you could just see coming. Jacob Padilla and I were talking. This was probably a month ago, maybe maybe a month and a half ago. And uh, we were talking about minutes and bench minutes and where that they were going to come from. And, you know, he's talking about how he liked kind of Gary in that particular role because it was well-defined. But you know what he's starting to show you? A little bit more offensive versatility. I don't know if they expected all of that, but uh, starting to really come around. And how about, speaking of corrections, how about them knocking down free throws? That was the next point. 16 of 21 on the day from the free throw line, which in a game that's 81 to 79 by game's end in overtime, you miss one free throw, you're not there. Yeah, yeah. You're not there. Coach Oiberg crediting the lab, the free throw lab. You know, you put the – you put the little, uh, which was weird too, because he had to call down to, to Jake and Kent. I think Mill Heisen is fantastic. Kent gets a ton of love because he's KP, right? I mean, he's the man, legendary. Mill Heisen does a really good job, but anyway, he must have been in a different part of the arena live because I was, you know, I love. Did I tell you I love press conferences? <laughs> I, I just like hearing what coaches say. Anyway, um, he was calling from a different part of the, the arena. Uh, and he was talking about being in the performance labs, just working on mechanics. You know, you get the little, the little, it's kind of whatever it is, those deals that they put on you to make video games. Oh yeah. Like, so, um, so you get the little pads on you and they're watching motion, engaging balance. And listen, when, when D walk is hitting free throws, the lab works, <laughs> right? I mean, he came in as a 40% right. shooter, which brings the whole rest of that free throw percentages down but those guys made free throws i mean walker was four of six i love the he's a 40 percenter that's I love pretty good announcer reactions too for when big man big men i should say yeah. that don't hit free throws on the regular end up hitting one that <laughs> looks really good and they're like oh wow that was a nice stroke remember, and, then, and then the second one just bricks off the back iron remember i'm uh as a lakers fan so i don't know what you're talking oh, about yeah, yeah. I, I didn't yeah, what, i didn't see that man, i didn't see that a ton there. with shaq what big man over there uh, spent, like, what, hours on end in the gym after practice shooting free throws? I well, f- wasn't he the type of guy? Well, I've, I've seen a few. Watch, so I had to watch Eldon Campbell. I had to watch Shaquille O'Neal. In regards to Shaq, wasn't he the guy that didn't leave the gym until he hit, like, Yeah, and in a row? remember, Shaq tried everything. Mm-hmm. He tried putting it just in one hand. He tried shooting it regular. We went a little underhand. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, 
Hey, whatever works, man. You know, throughout his career, he got better. And then uh, Creighton ended up – you know, that was a weird one. Yes, it was. Because, you know, it always goes back to shooting with this team. Like, if they shoot well, it's going to be a good day. If they don't, then they're going to struggle to win, and it becomes, you know, a, a game that you lose by single digits. And early on when Kalk and Nemhard got into foul trouble, that's when things really started to change in favor of UConn. They finally started going on some runs. I think they ended uh, the first half on like a 13-3 run. It may not have been the, the exact ending to the half, but I know that at one point they were on a 13-3 run, and they didn't have an answer for Sonogo down low. Yeah. And d- during that stretch alone, think about missing Kalkbrenner and then having one of the best players in the Big East, the preseason player of the year uh start just having his way with this with this blue jay team follow that up with poor three-point shooting i think their first triple came 19 minutes into the game their last one came was 17 minutes on the clock from shireman uh okay and because i think only shireman and reef mm-hmm. had the sharif had the two right. threes right because they ended up going two of 16 but how about only six shots for Kalkbrenner though i know he only played 30 and i say only he only played 32 minutes, but relatively speaking for him, I mean, because you got the sense he was kind of working his way back. They it's a just, different UConn team. They didn't get a lot of. How about the crowd? God, they were they were. I mean, I get it. It's home crowd. It's it's Connecticut, right? But they were annoying. Nothing <laughs> else to do in Connecticut. Other it's than like holy. Games. I mean, just you could just. Eh, obnoxious is too strong of a word. They're just fans being fans. But the the, the jersey tugging and the high five. I mean, on a loose ball. And I was like, oh, man, these guys walked yeah, into a, a hornet's They walked into a hornet's nest with UConn coming off uh, the losses. But nothing came easy for the Jays offensively. A lot of tough, off-balance Contest, but it's obvious. Contested shots. It's obvious that when the top five are not in the lineup, Creighton struggles. Yeah, but and, you and how do you figure through? How do you figure through that? You, Creighton will never win a game in which if you, if they're gonna make they make twenty shots, you had five assists mm-hmm. on those makes. That is. I'm completely now, with now, you. It's now, when, like when you when you tu- when the five are on, when you when you turn the ball over thirteen times or or whatever it was, that is, it was just so much dribbling and contested shots. It was it looked disjointed from the start. It, it just did not look smooth. Although they they did get to the foul line. How about all the whistles early? Was that crazy? Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know who what, Connecticut what was going to be able to play. Well, it started with UConn. Right, and then it was the And then it was, it was, the was like, game. I don't know if, like, uh, I don't know if Hurley, like, got in the – but it immediately turned on a dime. Because I'm like, you oh, guys going to have three starters going to the bench with, you know, two fouls. And, and then it started to rack up for Creighton. And I'm just thinking, this whistle keeps blowing incessantly. And it, it was – disjointed from the start. Neither team shot the ball well in the second half. No. Which is what kept the game close. Close, yeah. But think about what happened. Did, did you feel good when Creighton went on the run? I think That's they took the lead 44-42, something they, like they that. They went on a 14-2 run right out of half. Right out of half. And that's what happens when you have your five on the floor. Yeah. But it's about making things happen when you don't have all five on the floor. So and my, I don't know if they can figure that out. I don't know if they have figured that out. I don't cheer for UConn. I don't like UConn, but watching 
the Big East all the time. I'm a big Andre Jackson guy for them because he's a good player, and he can't and he Didn't does things other either. than score because he he basically he can't shoot. So they don't really they give him all sorts of space and he knocks down one shot, but he gets a lot of hustle plays. He looks rough. You know, he looks like a guy He's that, a very scrappy player. Yeah, I and I and I think in it's games like that, man, that that's what that's what the Jays need. But got a chance to get it right and what's gonna be an ultra tough big East. Goodness gracious. Coming up next, what to make of the offense and defense next year for the Huskers. But before we do that, the poll question, Georgia minus 13.5 or TCU plus 13.5? We'll start there. Coffee and cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you on Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency, live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club. It is your favorite morning show, and we appreciate you joining us wherever you're catching us right now, whether that's on 590, 1480, on YouTube Live, on Twitter Live. I'm with my main guy, DB. It's Andrew Rogers, Shane Schillerberg on the board. We're having some fun this, having some fun this morning. Lots still to get to, but DB's making me hungry you because are he showed looking me photos. Live. He showed me photos of his... Um, Skirt steak. I, Skirt steak. I, I, I want to try to describe shrimp. it. Five-star meal that was made at the Benning household over the weekend. I just, uh, you know, I I did two little skirt steaks because I've got to use up some stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you get and a cow? The, Is it like a I've got a half a coming. So I need to go at some point in the next three or four days. It's in Aurora, which is a quick two-hour. Oh, nice. Hour, I don't know, hour 50. And you have a guy for that? No. You don't have a guy for a cow? No, it's kind of bumming me out. So um, I've got to figure that out. I thought I had it figured out. But remember the day, so Thursday, remember when my phone hit the skids and I couldn't see Mm -hmm. anything? The screen was black. So I spent all day trying to figure that out. Well, apparently, Dookie Clint, who listens to the show quite a bit, got the other half. So he was going on Thursday to pick it up, and I never got the text message because I couldn't see. Right? And I didn't get the loaner I didn't get the replacement phone until Friday. So I asked him last week, I said, Hey, are you still going are you still going cow. down to get and right. he goes What do you I, mean? I went. <laughs> right. I was like, shoot. <laughs> but that's where I met um where I got uh my both Buddha and Biggie from too, so I'm very familiar with the Love Gas Station. <laughs> Right there. On <laughs> what the were they just in? Uh, like a little chained-in fence. Yeah, and at, I can't. I, and you're no, up I your can't tank. remember. She's like in. It's it's wolf. It's wolf's with a W. Um, kennel. And or wolf's bulldogs. And I think she's in either. I'm gonna blow it. It's one of the rocks. It's either guide like rock. The rock it's, it's either guide rock or table rock or somewhere. So Aurora was kind of a. A rendezvous point for us <laughs> to get the dogs. But anyway, I don't even know why I just told you that story. But yeah, so I'd, get off I'd like, every I'd now like and then. Two, two skirt steaks left. So 
in regards to you eating leftovers in front of the TV tonight now, watching the national championship game, our poll question, who are you taking tonight? Would you take Georgia 13 and a half? Because this is what it opened as when I made the poll question, yeah. and then I left my apartment, and it was back down to 12 and a half. Yeah, so it is, I'm going to keep it at 13 and a half for, this, for, the, for argument's sake here. It is currently sitting at... Wow. I'm, Did it bounce so, back up? So it's close. There's a couple 12 and a halves, a couple 13s, a couple 13 and a halves. So let's just say 13 for laughs and giggles. I, I, I would probably be a spectator. It's pretty a, high to take Georgia, but Georgia could easily do it. Well, they typically play their best football at the most opportune times. So, because they have a tendency to sleepwalk a little bit. But, man, I th- and I said this in, with TCU in Michigan. Don't under – and I, I don't think they will now. But remember, I said don't underestimate TCU's physicality. Mm-hmm. I talk about them being better against the run than statistics show and how they fit in the run game. And they have a lot of versatility. So you can line up a couple of different places. You may be head up and they may get down a gap and a half, right? It's not – they move a ton, and they bring some drama. So the thing that I think you'd have to worry about, the best thing, number one, is to be a spectator. But if you are, got to be wary of like a, a late TCU, like a backdoor cover, or just TCU being in the game. Because all they've heard all year, and we'll talk to, to Jim Duggan here in a sec, they've defied odds all year through like week nine or 10 or even 11. They were still the yeah, but team. Yeah, but I gave up to me. It started Oklahoma. It started as Oklahoma state. Then it went to TCU. They get behind too much, but you know, it's like, I don't know at some point and it's about now (laughs) who your record says you are. I'll be curious to see what the poll question says. Cause the gates at the Vegas will let you know. The gate's at Vegas. I'm having a hard time, too, deciding. there. So when Joe Burrow won with LSU, I was confident with that pick. Like, hey, I'm going to take LSU to win this football game. And it was a, I think it was a close money line, so I just sat money line, put a lot of money on the money line, and just let it ride. But for this game in particular, you can't win on the money line. Yeah. Because if you lean Georgia, you're not betting minus 350. It's minus or, 500. Or, or now minus 500. And you're not betting TCU. At plus 375? But you're not putting $100 down on that. Well, 10 will get you 37.50. And I'm not opposed to that. But I'm saying That's when you bet totally big money. You. When you bet big money. No, because I'm big odds, small amounts. At 10 bucks for 37.50? Yeah, it's got to be above like 1000 for me to put $10 down. Dude, I've seen some of your hockey anytime <laughs> scores. It's like 5 bucks to win yeah, 50K. Yesterday was, yesterday was not very good for me. No? Uh, no. Skids? Tough day. Real tough. Day. Was it hockey? Hockey and football. Help Andrew uh, out. 888-638-4876. Sometimes I need help. Sometimes I don't. Now, um, in regards what are you, like a mouse? Sometimes you feel like a nut? <laughs> in regards to understanding the offense and defense, I don't know if I need a lot of help because I think uh, we'll start offensively for the Huskers. Marcus Satterfield laid it out 
um, at least his philosophy out perfectly for people to understand. It was kind of like an offensive book for dummies. Hey, did you see uh, Run the Ball guy? He was like, whoa! <laughs> right. Hey, then immediately everybody was, they're like looking around, they're like, like there, did he just say fullback? Who's the fullbacks on the <laughs> roster? <laughs> Wait, do we have any fullbacks on the roster? He's like, who can, what tight end works? Who can play fullback? You know, and we'll talk to Sam McEwen about that at 8 because he had some names pop up on his article that were interesting, one being somebody on the defensive side of the football Mm -hmm. that kind of caught my attention. Uh, But, you know, having a fullback isn't the worst thing in the world. It really really is not. If you want to play the long game, if you want to play time of possession, you're telling yourself you're going to run the football more than you're going to throw. And I don't think – I don't think it has anything to do with being conservative or salt and clock. I think it's a style. That, 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 could be. that I think it's a style that they want to play. I mean, um, I remember being associated with a team one time that played, and sometimes we'd have a fullback, sometimes we'd have two, sometimes we'd have two tight ends, and we still snapped the ball with 18 seconds left on the clock. So sometimes it's just a style in which you want to play that you think gives yourself a chance to win. But it's weird, right? Because Nebraska's talking about using a fullback and a tight end or two, and Wisconsin may very well be running air raid. Who knows what Minnesota's going to do with that revamped staff. Northwestern transitioning. Illinois is RPO zone spread. What's going on in the Big Ten? Do you get the sense? I, I'll, I'll never be able to see it in my head as long as Coach Ferentz is there that they're going to get in spread and throw the ball around the yard. But, look, there's the majority of the teams, and you heard Coach Rule say it, and you heard Coach Satterfield double down on it. A lot of teams run 11 personnel. That's one back, one tight end. Right? You are in spread quite a bit, and you're defending spread quite a bit. So I'll be curious to see if, Nebraska will actually be one of the different teams. I've seen teams want and compete for a lot of Big Ten championships with a tight end and a fullback. So I watch Iowa win a lot of games doing that. I watch Minnesota win a lot of games doing that. I watch Wisconsin win a lot of games Former doing that. Wisconsin. Right. right. I, <laughs> hey, that's going to be fascinating. That is – Luke I mean, Pickle doesn't seem especially like – Especially now that they uh, have like – That type of coach, so uh, I'm not you, surprised. You know, a third of Minnesota's staff over there in Madison, it's like, well, what are they going to do? But yep. your offensive coordinator would lead me to believe, can he bring Chapel Hill to, to Madison? We'll see. And I think we got some answers on knowing what Tony White wants to do with the three three five, and, and just kind of laying it out saying it's a baseline. Right? It's meant for recruiting. If we get more guys up front, if we get more linebackers, if we get more backs, that now we're going to decide, hey, do we go 4-2-5? You know do my favorite thing about him? His delivery. I think he doesn't know who he is. I think he doesn't know what he wants to do. Like, and it was a little more engaging than I thought, too. He, outside of maybe Barthel, I, I think Coach White is, is probably the one that captivates me the most. And – I mean, no coincidence, could have the most impact in my house, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So it's Definitely like, could. So it's like, hey, what are we doing? Wink, wink. No, I'm just, I mean, that's just the reality of it. It is reality, but also it's like a little, it's another teaser, right? Yeah. We love to tease on this show. <laughs> There's no tease. Like, I, I, <laughs> hey, Coach Coop, Coach White. Like, I'll probably get it. How about what he said about I, Coop, too, how he's like the Red Bull. Yeah, I, right. Well, you could tell. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, he's he looks like he's constantly got the switch on. <laughs> he's moving fast. He talks fast. And he's a coach rule guy. I mean, this it, this will be interesting. Talk a lot, about a lot of juice. Talk about teases. We couldn't get Max on the show because he's apparently busy doing something tonight. So we're going to talk to his dad next. Coffee and Cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Coffee and Cream in the morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency, live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club, which you should be at Hale Varsity Club tonight because there is a national championship watch party taking place. Are here. they still doing the special for the chimichurri wings? You'd know better than me. That's like, that is your item. Outside of the burger with your name on it, that's your other item. That's, <laughs> that's your alternate item. No, 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 no. <laughs> yes, yes. So when I did the skirt steak yesterday... And it's not very big, right? So the kiddos eat it up in a hurry. But I wanted to do chimichurri sauce. So I, I just kind of looked it up on TikTok because TikTok is like my new information source. Yeah, which Pinterest is, to me is TikTok for you. Pinterest? Because that's where I get my recipes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we Why are you shaking your head at me? You're using TikTok. I'm not even gonna go there. You get your recipes from Pinterest. Yeah. Are you like? Do you like subscribe? Do you log in? Do you have like? Do, a, I, do I subscribe? No. But do I? Log don't in? you have yes. to do? Don't you have to do that? Yeah, for, but you have to log into TikTok. No, I meant like subscribe. Like, isn't there like a no. people give stuff away for free on Pinterest? Well, yeah. I, I mean, everything's free. Oh, I, I think. I, I, don't know. I, I only use the free things that are on that Pinterest gives me, I guess. So and I and I figured out like I have a a bullet at home, like the thing yeah, yeah. that like mixes and once Is that they like got a grinder. Yeah, once okay. they got to like the third green thing, which I think was either parsley or cilantro, I was like, yeah, I'm not doing it because I didn't want to have to go to the store. So it was like so you didn't have it all. So uh, there's cilantro, I think parsley, it's garlic. You, you don't oil. live too close to a grocery store either. It's like a stone store, right? I just, I had my, I I'm was, listen, I was bound and determined to not leave my house yesterday. The, the guys, they went and shot it. It's called the 118 building and they wanted to go get some shots up. And I was like, sure, Caleb, you know, or Micah, the other can take the other. And I know Micah can't drive, so I knew Caleb would be the <laughs> right. one taking him over there. I was like. I'll be getting the marinade ready, right? It was just, I wasn't going to leave yesterday. You were in your happy place. Yeah. The kitchen. Home, right? Well, cooking. Yeah, and home too. It's, and it's it's going to be interesting too because there, there's a treadmill there that's foldable. Like you can put it away for storage. So you're like not going to put it on like, you know, 2% right. incline and get it up to like 10.0. But it does the, the trick. And I'm the biggest dilemma yesterday to leave it out or to put it away. Do I want this thing like out? Does it annoy? Is it an eyesore, <laughs> or do I put it away somewhere? That was the that was the crux of my stress this weekend. Hey, did you see? I I I'm, I majored in the minors. I I don't know if you watched what happened at 
when they played nine o'clock last night. The Bruins beat the Ducks seven to one. Our guy Steve on Twitter tagged us in uh, the final score. Stevio, did you know that the Bruins are thirty-two four and four? Yes. Listen, thirty-two four and four. That seems you like want a mistake. The, you want the funny thing about that? What was the talk all off season? Older team, three, two, three stars. Older, no depth. Front line, top line heavy. Key guy starting on injured reserve. They're not going to be as healthy. You're transitioning from a good coach. Like, can are they reloading? Are they starting over? Like, they apparently didn't get the memo. Which is funny because when you look at a, like a lot of am I making teams, that I know I'm not misremembering like no. the Bruins window was supposed to be closer to close than open. When you look at a lot of the younger teams, people are like, "Oh, well, they have a future ahead of them, right?" Yeah. What was but, what was Boston's? But you look at the Blackhawks and they look like a team that can't win hey, a hockey game. How about you us look even though they won yesterday? How about us going down the rabbit hole off air over the Chicago Blackhawks? I'm like, so I'm, we're leaving, whatever time that was, Friday, it was late. And I'm like, why were we talking about the Blackhawks, their financial? Oh, oh because you know, we were talking about draft. Bedard. We were talking about the draft. That's mm-hmm. what it was. And I'm like, why did we get And then that? I said they have two first rounders uh, and two second rounders yeah. the back-to-back years. And I, they'll probably end up, if, if their trajectory is on point for this season, in the lottery with a good chance of getting Bedard. You know the Pens right now are looking at a wild card? Which is crazy because the Penguins just can't score right now. Well, uh, listen, that's okay for right now because eventually they'll find the back of the net. I always worry about them defensively anyway. So, I mean, if that's the way that it's going to go, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll take it early. And Omaha's own Jake Gensel snagged – not Omaha's own – he. Wasn't born in Omaha, but Ma- Mavericks the own. Mavericks alum uh, had two goals yesterday. So good on Gensel. Good By the way, I, I pulled them up Friday. Like they don't really have a store store, but you can. You have to just go to campus, like which is in essence is their bookstore. But that O is pretty spectacular. Well, it's probably probably one of the that was more one of the better trans logos in all of college. So sports, I give I give Trev, Trev a lot of credit for a lot of different things and and uh, the branding and the color scheme and going with Omaha like that was legit. And when that O started to pop, and every time I see it, like I'll see somebody with that, I'm like, it's one of the best. Logos and going. O doesn't just stand for Omaha, right? Because the U and the N are built into the yeah. O. Oh, I get and it. that's like the crazy tie-in to it all. When my brother-in-law discovered that, when I, I gifted him some Omaha swag last year, he goes, dude, this is like the coolest thing ever. Because I just figured out there's it's, a U it's, and N Yeah, there's a lot of, of, there's the a lot of smart people that do design. <laughs> like if you look at like uh, Bud Crawford's, the, the, like his logo for his gear, you, there's a T, a B, and a C. For Terrence Bud Crawford, mm-hmm. and but it just looks like one, you know, Tiger Woods right, did it. Right, you can yeah. see the T and the W, and you just have to kind of look. But but in college sports, you don't like see th- personalized to the person. That's what personalized means. But to the individual, <laughs> um, like when it's one, when it's one person, he was pretty good at the it, Governor's Ball. It's easy 
to create a logo that represents you, hey, but to create a school logo that represents the whole thing like Omaha has done, it's pretty special. Yeah, and they went with, the, like, the colors. I, plus, I'm Team Crutch. I, I, like, I like all those guys. But anyway, if you're Trev, you see all the sound bites they got from at the Governor's Ball, which, by the way, I can't believe I wasn't invited. we got to have a talk about that to, for you muck, muckety-mucks up there. <laughs> but they're, like, asking him football questions at the ball. I'm like... Listen, if I wanted to hear from the guy, I would just call him. Can we chill with Trev? <laughs> hey, how about that? That was like the shot heard around the bow. And, and then the coach is doubling down in the presser about what it is that they like to do. Football. 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 And some more football. It's like. Anyway, stop gassing the fire. <laughs> What I was going to say is, if you were at a ball, black tie event, right? It's it's a celebratory event, and you wanted to get a sound bite. Do you go there for a sound bite, or do you let the folks just do their business and you try to get a a snippet if you can? That's me, the latter. Yeah, yeah. We had a microphone. And Trev's responding. I'm like, I was hoping we could fist. Oh yeah. There, well, you, you we could air we could air that. You pulled it away, and then I was just resting, and I should have just did the. I'm just know. wondering why Hoda Coffee is like on on our big screen up here. Well, Bill we turned it on. Uh, boss television. man came in, turned it on. Uh, we're kind of spoiled. You see, we got new chairs. Yeah, you know, I don't know if anybody else saw it too, but we got I some nice padding. I don't think they care. I I bet there was one person out there that said they got new chairs. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I said when I walked in. Hey, we got new chairs. I'm going to go ahead and dump And then that. Uh, the boss left me some Allen wrenches because he knows my favorite tool in the toolbox. It's, those don't even work. They, like, give you those and part of the little plastic with all the 89,000 pieces, and it's like. Hey, don't make me come over there and dis disassemble your chair now. Fudge. Hey, by the way, when you're looking at you're talking about the presser between, with, with um, Satin and Coach White. Do you think. When you listen to the guys talk, so so far we've heard from Rule, we've heard from Coach Satterfield, we've heard from Coach White. Does the message sound the same to you? What they want to accomplish? Yes. It does. But there's different aspects to the message. Like, you could, you could hear Tony White talk, and it would be completely different uh, – schematically but like on the same page as, as what they're trying to accomplish the 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 goal at hand is the same but everybody has their own uh, like idea of how to uh, attain that goal so let me rewind a year ago when you heard when you heard from the coordinators chins well coach frost and and i don't know what the answer is going to be i'm just curious to see what you thought of like did we hear an opening issue? statement did it sound like they were on the same page? Kind of. Not really for me. Right. But, like, when I say kind of, it's like, you know, they know what they want, So but what they could not get so what, what? what did we hear all offseason? Collaboration, need to work together. Who's going to be calling plays? Is it going to be pass-heavy, run-heavy? Just almost, a, communication was just there. just a year removed, not even a year removed, seven months removed. It's it seems very clear cut what the initiatives are. That alone puts you about fifteen percent ahead of the game. Mm -hmm. Just simply 
saying the same thing as we were talking about Friday, Shane, casting the same vision, right? Just go back to what we were hearing in the offseason a year ago, and it's like we were listening to tobacco quarterbacks do podcasts saying that coaches were having a hard time giving up right. play-calling duties. Eight months later, it's this is how we want to play, this is what the offense is going to look like, and this is what we think it's going to take to win games. And it's like, that's different. <laughs> Not mincing words. <laughs> Sam McEwen's next on Coffee and Cream here on Hale Varsity Radio. City Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. Hey, back with you. Top of the hour here on Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency, live from the H&H Chevrolet it's stage. Weird. <laughs> it was just on the television. Hale Varsity Did you see Club? that? What? It said GoCurrency.com. I, the mystery. If, I'm, li- if I'm lying, I'm dying. <laughs> well, you know how we're, all, if we're, we're, we're already paranoid. Right, it's like we say something, and all of a sudden we see it pop up on yeah, the ads, the computer, the phone and, you, and you just said gocurrency.com, and it was right there on the television. Yeah, like Rawlings baseball glove, Rawlings baseball glove, Rawlings yeah. baseball glove. If I start scrolling Facebook, it's gonna be like, hey, you want a Rawlings baseball glove? Stop. You know what? That's what it does. They just, listen to us. Why you don't do Facebook? Do you have an like Amazon, like Echo, or anything like that? That I have a. You know, is that the same as Siri? No, Siri's on your phone. Uh, you probably have Am- like Alexa, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's Amazon. Yeah, I have her. Um, so, like, are you, you talk ever to afraid her? that she's listening to you? No, but when I don't want her in my business, I, she's unplugged. <laughs> you know who I want in my business? Who? Sam McEwen. Oh, for sure. Because I just found out. He heard out- us saying good things about him last week, maybe. He, he, I hope so. Sam, I just found out that you're a diehard Bears fan right before we got back. Oh, oh, Sam, Sam you with us? I there, am. There he is. Hi, Sorry. Sam. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I'm, oh, yeah, I'm a lifelong Bears fan. Hey, how about what uh, happened? Oh, here we night? go. Hey, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll, how, I'll get back with you guys here in about 15 minutes. <laughs> how fantastic was it to see our guy, Lovey Smith, give us the number one pick? Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I, I feel bad that Lovey got fired. Um, but, you know, like I think there's, I, I think there's, um, you know, kind of a kind of a what do you call it? A symmetry to that, mm-hmm. an irony to that, and and you know, so I think there's a kind of, I don't know. Um, it was, you know, it's a. I'm glad the Bears got the first pick. Isn't that weird? You know, you're a dire Bears right. fan, and you're kind of glad they lost, and and. Uh, because now they don't have to worry about whether there's a second quarterback or there's a second team that wants to go up, um, you know. So you know, because Houston was probably going to take one of the two, and then you got to hope that the second one is uh, is as good. Now the question is, should the Bears pick quarterback? You know, right. and, I, and I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to trade them, trade the pick, and get two, hopefully from Seattle, and and uh, try to build around Justin Fields. But I, I got to tell you, I'm if you're going to ask me. Between Justin Fields and Bryce Young, I'll take I'll take Bryce Young, but we'll see what the Bears do. Ooh, interesting blasphemy. Because I'm more on the Justin Fields side of things, but uh, you you make a good case. Everybody makes a good case for Bryce Young. Hey, I don't know how you can't. Sam, let me ask you something. I want to go. Let's go global with cut with college football. Here is on the heels of of TCU in in Georgia tonight, and 
And you can even weave in Coach White, if you will. And I think people were surprised, right, the way that TCU played and their level of physicality. And then everybody started to talk about the 3-3-5 and could it work. And as the Big Ten evolves offensively, and let's say Nebraska uses a tight end and a fullback in 2023 and Wisconsin goes air raid, did you like the way that Coach White's comments landed in terms of how they want to play defense when you look at the rest of college football? Or could you you didn't allow yourself to do that because it's just about Nebraska getting better in the short term? I liked all of his comments. I, I thought <laughs> yeah, he was good. Yeah, he was really good. He's the real deal. Um, you, you could actually see a lot of his personality in that press conference. Toward the end when he starts going, okay, you know, you can kind of see him getting going. You know, I thought that was great. Um, no, he, he – uh, I think I think what he tried to explain, and I wasn't there. I had a previously uh, scheduled engagement on Friday, so I'll get a chance to catch up with him in a later date. But I think what he was trying to describe was, hey, you know, we want – we want to have versatility on defense. We want we will decide what we do with that extra player, where that guy plays, the kind of player he is. Uh, I think at Syracuse it was one kind of guy. At Nebraska it could be somebody else. But I think what he's what he's really pushing is this idea of putting a defense out on the field that can do a lot of different things against a lot of different kinds of offenses, and it's especially attuned to the spread, right? So like. Um, he mentioned that the, the you know the formation uh, group or personnel grouping that is the most common in the Big Ten is eleven personnel, and that's accurate. You know, like there's a lot of teams. You look at Penn State, for example. Penn State's operating out of eleven personnel almost all the time. Mm-hmm. Ohio State's operating out of eleven personnel almost all the time. So the defense that he runs is a, is a pretty good fit for a lot of what the teams do. Uh, in the Big Ten, including now apparently Wisconsin. Um, so in that wild, you know, I, 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 yeah, it, a little bit. But I can I say that like I can understand both positions. I can understand why Nebraska's doing what it's doing, and I can understand why Wisconsin feels like they have to do something else than what they've been doing, because I think it does take a lot of good football players to win at the highest level running that offense. And I think Nebraska's going to run into that too. Uh, you better recruit. You better know how to recruit. And Matt Rule is very confident in his recruiting. And so you better know how, because if you're going to run this offense, the offense they intend on running, you better have all the pieces. You better have a good offensive line too. And I think Wisconsin was always finding that they were kind of running up against when they had to go play Ohio State and Michigan. They didn't have the horses to do what they were doing. And so they're trying to go for more versatility. But back to Tony White, you know, I think he's just. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's got he's got a lot of thoughts about what they're going to do, and I think part of what he wants to do is probably develop multiple kinds of defenses that can that can attack all kinds of different kinds of offenses. And that three three five is built, I think, in that in that idea. Like you know, if you run a, a true four three, a four down lineman, and you got a four man pass rush and all that, there's just certain things that you're going to be about. Lovey Smith is an example of that. Um, but I, but I think the the new way of doing things is we're going to bring guys from all over the place. You're not going to know what we're going to do. Sometimes we're going to bust and we're going to give up a big play, but other times we're going to get you behind the line of scrimmage 
and that's what people saw in the TCU-Michigan game. TCU's defense made body blow plays, I mean knockout plays, uh, two, two defensive touchdowns, TFLs, all that stuff. They were an offense on defense. We're speaking with Sam McEwen, sports editor and a Nebraska com- columnist for the Omaha World-Herald. You can toss him a follow on Twitter, at SWMcEwenOWH, and he has some fantastic articles about that exact thing he was just talking about regarding Tony White. And on the other side of the football, offensively, Sam, uh, the, the big thing, uh, the big word that everybody heard was fullback uh, that <laughs> yeah. Marcus Satterfield had, uh, had mentioned. And uh, he's not talking about, you know, your stereotypical fullback. He's talking probably a more dynamic athlete when he uses that term. But based on what you have seen, whether, whether it's built on the roster or even fullbacks available, if there are a, a true fullback that they may be eyeing up, uh, you know, the question is who? Who can be the fullback in this offense? And you laid out some names in your article, and I'm curious uh, for you to expand on those. Yeah, I don't know if any of those names are, are going to fit. I was just talking about guys that are you know, currently on the team. But I think what they had at South Carolina was a guy by the name of Jaheim Bell, and he's a really good player. He's going to play in the NFL. And interestingly enough, Satterfield was criticized for not using Bell enough. Uh, as a receiver, and that was in the middle of the season. They had this terrible game against Missouri, and I, I suspect Satterfield would do things differently if if he had that game to do over again. But but then they figured it out by the end of the season, and they were using Bell as a running back and as a, and as a pass catcher. And so he's six three and two hundred and thirty five pounds, and uh, he could do a lot of things. He's very position versatile. He's similar to a Ethan Carter. Uh, I don't think Nebraska has Stephen Carter right now. That guy was and playing so on Sundays. Get it. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. Um, I don't think they have. I don't think they have that guy right now, and, and so they're probably either going to have to develop him or they're going to have to find him. And so I speculated, okay, well, you know, Quentin Ives is six three, one eighty. Could he bulk up and become that player? Uh, that's the kind of the stretch. Uh, Goodwin, who's a walk on from Lincoln High, kind of has that size profile. Um, you know, do they have a running back on the roster that could kind of bulk up or be that? Gabe Irvin, six foot two fifteen. Chancellor Brunson would have been a great fit. I mean, that that would have been a guy that you would have tried to use in that role. It's more of a positionless role. So just so people know, like, yes, it's a fullback, but it's a person who can line up as a fullback. You know, up as an H back, can do a lot of different things. So I think people need to be thoughtful about. They're probably not, you know, getting a five foot ten and one hundred ninety seven pound fullback, uh, you know, who can uh, go up, you know, on, on a fullback dive. You know, that kind of, I think that's not quite what we're thinking about. So Snodgrass and Borkature uh, interest me there as kind of those H back yeah, versatile. You know, because I think Borkature is a, a better athlete than we give him credit for. He's He's good at the point of attack, and he, we know he can catch the ball, and he wears 49. I mean, he's already – he's like <laughs> two-thirds of the way there. Yeah, I think he's an interesting player, um, and they, they may they, they look look at him. There's, especially yeah, there's, there's if, a, especially if A.J. Possible. Rollins can hang in there and develop, right? Yes. Now, A.J. 6'6". Six, six. I mean, he's – No, I, I meant where he could play more of the classic tight end role. Yeah, I, I think AJ's physicality was probably the 
you know, best fit for a tight end coming forward. You know, challenge with Sedoni is, hey, he's got to play, you know, and you got to learn how to play at the college football level, and that takes, like, playing in games, not just, you know, running running stairs and doing things like that. And then, you know, how, how much is he going to weigh, and, and can he play an inline tight end? There's just things you don't really know about him because he hasn't played. He hasn't played. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Carney, who, who's banged up a little bit, I think, and then um, Hickman, who's always been a little banged up. So, you know, I, there's some question marks there, and Rollins was the one that kind of emerged last year as among the young guys, somebody you thought maybe could develop more into this season. And, yeah, Borkertrue, who was the number two tight end last year, and maybe he can move to that role. And and maybe they go find somebody in the offseason. Jaheim Bell didn't come to Nebraska. <laughs> he, he transferred to Florida State. So, um, you know, he's going to play a lot there, and people will, will hear his name next season. But Satterfield wasn't kidding about the fullback thing. They had one last year, and that was that was Bell. And mm-hmm. people can go watch his his play on uh, on YouTube. I thought Satterfield was interesting, just because, you know, I got to see him in that environment, kind of hold court with with media. I've also talked to him, you know, just kind of sit down one on one, and he strikes me, Sam, as the type of guy that's pretty straightforward, right? He's gonna you're gonna probably yeah. have to be very secure <laughs> in yourself because he's probably gonna say some things in a way that could give you some pause i'm looking at quarterback play sam i'm looking at what he what he had to do with rattler and how patient he had to be with the evolution of that offense remember it didn't click for south carolina until late and he had four different guys playing running back and he ended up getting a converted tight end to play running back and so i think he'll do what it takes to move the football but what kind of quarterback and their mindset do you think will mesh well with coach sat uh, somebody who's mentally tough. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, <laughs> somebody who uh, is smart, but you know, like, is understands what they're trying to get done, mm-hmm. um, and 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 understands that in a way that's, uh, hey, we're 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 trying to possess the football and develop a certain kind of culture within this program and that means that means certain things and this these are things that we want you to do like run the ball um, so yeah I, I think I think Satterfield is a, a strong minded guy not that Mark Whipple wasn't he was uh, but you know I think Whipple could be ah well, you know we're gonna we're gonna throw the ball and you just stand back there and throw us where you want to go you know, and that kind of thing. Like, you know, and, and I think I think quarterbacks kind of naturally tend to that. Like, oh, you want me to throw the ball deep? Oh, okay. And you know, so I think this offense will be a little different. It, it'll it'll be a little bit more ball control. It'll be a little bit more. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna play action. There's gonna be guys at three levels. I need you to hit this guy. And you know, when you hit your back foot, you got one opportunity to reset your feet and then throw the ball. So there's going to be, I think, a lot of uh, – and some of that comes from rule. It's not all just from Satterfield. But you're going to have to play this position a certain way, mm. and it's going to have to be, you know, game manager first and then playmaker after that. So that's always been rule's M.O. Like his his quarterbacks have not been, you know, run around all over the field and up and down. So I, I can understand why perhaps 
it took it took a while for Sat, Satterfield and Rattler to get on the same page because you know Rattler is kind of a he wants to make a lot of big plays. So yeah, I, I think they're going to take a tough-minded person. I'll be curious to see how Casey works because Casey has opinions. And and even and he, Sims, I, I, Casey is a guy that I have more confidence that can. Um, you know, just because I know what he's about. Mm-hmm. You know, I know him a little better. I, I, I think he's a pro's mm-hmm. pro. I don't know Sims at all. I'll be curious to to see how he receives instruction. I watch him on film, Sam, and, you know, when his feet are set, he's got a, he's got a hose. Um, mm-hmm. He can deliver good footballs, but, you know, mechanics and, and staying on balanced. He's, there's a lot of polishing they've got to do with Sims. I'll, I'll be curious to see how that whole thing unfolds. Me too. Um, you know, he, he was playing in a, in a program that, that just didn't have enough good football players for what they were trying to accomplish. Um, so he, he got there at a time when they're trying to transition from a triple option offense to a kind of a, you know, pro, more of a pro style zone read offense. And, you know, I, I, I think he probably felt a lot of pressure in that, on that team to just make plays. Mm. Because they, they had two guys, really, and, and one of them then left for Alabama, and then uh, and it was kind of just him. So I think it was I – think, I think in Nebraska he'll be in a, he'll be in a tighter structure and he'll, he'll be working for two coaches that will be real clear on what they want. So I, I do think he will develop better. But we'll see with Casey. I mean, I think it's, it's – uh, it'll be interesting. He's tough. Casey's really tough. Very. And I, you know, and, and he can throw the football, and 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 he can do what you ask him to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, again, as people have already seen with Casey, he has opinions. He's a long. He's a he's a uh, verbal processor. He's going to want to work through all that. He's going to work very hard, but he's going to want to work through all those things. And and he, you know, the coach has got to got to be adapt a little bit to him too. Still speaking with Sam McEwen, sports editor and Nebraska columnist for the Omaha World-Herald. Sam, uh, with less than 10 days uh, before the portal closes, there were some visitors up in Lincoln over the weekend. Uh, where are you seeing the biggest uh, the need lie? Is that still on offensive line? Is that uh, on the defensive line? Is it a combination of both? Could it rest in tight end? Uh, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? And um, in regards to Billy Kemp, who was up there too, uh, I asked this um, to Brian Christofferson, and I'm, I, I'm going to ask you too. Uh, could he be a replacement for Trey Palmer just based on the similar skill sets there? Uh, I'd be surprised if he, were, if he were a replacement for Trey Palmer. Um, and that, that's not a knock on Billy Camp. That just you know, Trey's six two and a half and a sprinter. I mean, and, and there's not that many players like that. Um, and he's a straight line runner too. I mean, I mean Trey's going to have to make it in the NFL as a as that kind of player. He, he's not Stephon Diggs. <laughs> That's what I guess I mean to say. And Kemp's got some of those skill sets. He, he can he can move a little bit in an offense, and you know, and and sit down and shake defenders and all kinds of stuff. Anyway. Um, the offensive line appears to be what they think their need is, and if they have an opportunity to get routes from Stanford 
and the Baylor guard. I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name, but uh, Mizuka. He announces like tomorrow that. night. Yeah, yeah. He announces tomorrow night. Florida, Auburn, Nebraska. Rouse is Iowa, Nebraska, and Oklahoma. Uh, if they get both those guys, then you basically have three new starters on the offensive line, which would be quite an achievement uh, for Nebraska. And, and so I think that's what they feel like their need is. Defensive line, I mean, you always take defensive linemen, but those are, again, those are like gold. Those are, it's it's really hard to, to get the best ones. And Nebraska got a couple in the last year that were okay. Um, but it's hard to get great ones because they're, they're, they're taken pretty quickly. Uh, so, you know, uh, Malik Hornsby is out there, but I think he's, I don't think he's going to Nebraska. Uh, probably use another receiver. What's that? I, I'm Arkansas. He's just singing over here. Yeah. For Hornsby. Hey, but Sam, let me get you out of here on this. Um, I was asking Andrew about just the clarity of message nine months removed from each of the staffs, right? It's, could Coach X and Coach Y coexist? Do they seem like they're on the same page? Will it be pass happy versus implementing run game? And we were kind of – we weren't sure. You know, nine months later, I, I think they've cast a clear vision on how they want to play. What do you attribute the stark contrast in casting the vision to? Well, I think I think you you attribute it to – Scott Frost not really knowing exactly what he what he was looking for, what exactly he wanted when he uh, when he was out hiring and and hiring a guy in Mark Whipple that really didn't you know I I, I don't I'm not going to say he didn't respect Scott but Mark Whipple's his own guy I mean he's basically his own guy and so you're hiring kind of you're kind of kind of a, a standalone coach there. Whereas Satterfield would, I think, attribute the majority of his coaching career, or he would say that Matt Rule is his biggest mentor. Coach so Rule doesn't leave much. Between that. Coach Rule doesn't leave much to chance, does he? Not there. He that doesn't. Just, does, just no. doesn't seem like it. Well, you know, I'll tell you, when he went to Carolina, he did. Uh, he, hired, he hired Joe Brady, and he fired Joe Brady. So, um, and he fired him relatively quickly, like I think halfway into his second year. So, like when he went to Carolina, I think actually Matt would say that when he went there, he did some things that he won't do again. And I think he thought that he needed to do some certain things to go to the NFL. And I think in hindsight, being 2020, I think he was like, I'm just going to do the way things I want to do. And so I, I, I think Satterfield is that kind of hire. I think he, I think Nebraska could have gone out and gotten you know a one point five million dollar offensive coordinator. And I'm not saying Satterfield isn't, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. But I think Matt Rule wants to go out and get a coordinator who's going to do what Matt Rule wants him to do. And I think on the defensive side of the ball, I think they went and got a really good coach. And and I think that guy, uh, Tony, is is just just a. A rising star who really understand who's probably a head coach candidate here in about three to five years, mm. and and probably needs is is just a dynamic guy that can do a lot of things for them. So I don't think that's that a big of a risk in hiring him. Plus he's young, 
and the coordinator that Matt Rule had at uh, Carolina and Baylor. I mean, you know, he's 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 about ready to retire. He's like sixty five or sixty six. So, yeah, I think it's a I think it's a, a pretty solid step. And they're all gonna they're all on the Matt Rule train. You know, everybody mm-hmm. everybody likes Matt, and and they're they're gonna do what he asked them to do. Sam, you're the best man. We appreciate your time. We'll talk again next week. Take care. That's Sam McEwen, sports editor and a Nebraska columnist for the Omaha World Herald. Coming up next, we're talking to Brent Soboleski. He's an NFL analyst for Bleacher Report. Tons to get to with Week 18 in the playoff picture. And that is all coming your way next. Coffee and cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Bolt puts his foot into the ball. It's going to be short. Fielded at the four by Hines. Coming straight up the middle to the 20. Cuts it back at the 25. He's got an alley down the right sideline to the 40. 50. Down to the 40. 35. 30. 20. 15. 10. 5. Touchdown. Naheem Hines. 96 yards. Run, run as fast as you can. You're not catching Hines. He's your end zone man. Buffalo on the board. With the first play from scrimmage. Back with you, Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency, live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club. Alongside Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers on 590 AM, ESPN Omaha, 1480 ESPN Lincoln, live on YouTube, live on Twitter. We appreciate you joining us for Monday morning's Coffee and Cream. And before we get to our next guest, I'd like to talk to you about Dingman's. Dingman's Collision Center has been in the business for over 25 years in Omaha. They are family-owned and family-run local business. Invest in the latest technology to stay up to date with the ever-evolving technology of what our cars are today. I mean, if you, if you went back 100 years to 1923, people probably thought cars would be flying by now. So 100 years later, here's what the cars look like. But, hey, they still have some issues. And on the road, you know, you may get into a crash. You may uh, have a bump in your day. And all of a sudden, you need that bump to be out. So you go to Dingman's Collision Center because they work on all makes and models from Fords to Teslas. Four locations throughout the metro area, along with a standalone mechanical shop at 120th and Maple, voted first place. Best of Omaha for 18 years running. Go to Dingman's Collision Center if you need help with your car. Now, let's move over to our next guest. Our apologies for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's Brent Soboleski, NFL analyst for Bleacher Report. Brent, good morning. We appreciate you joining us. Oh, good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for having me, and I'm glad to see that we're so excited about football again after the week we've gone through. I think that was a great weekend of play just to get everyone feeling better about the game, about DeMar Hamlin and everything that occurred in the past seven days. I think it was a much-needed week for all sports fans out there. You put it perfectly. The NFL playoff picture, though, is set. Are you confident, Brent, that the 14 teams in are the best 14 teams, or is there a team or two that could be missing? (laughs) When you have seven spots, and I don't mean to chuckle at your question, but any team with a losing record is not deserving of being in the postseason. That's mm-hmm. my personal opinion. So we can just abolish the NFC South at the moment because they're not needed. Yet here we are with Tampa Bay Buccaneers not only in the postseason but going to host a game in their first in the first round. So, you know, when you look at it, we saw Detroit as an example last night. They had nothing to play for against the Green Bay Packers except for to ruin their rivals 
their playoff hopes, and they did, and it was wonderful. And I would more than love to see Detroit in the postseason than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as an example. I'm a diehard, unapologetic Steelers fan, so I always think they get the benefit of the doubt. But that's a team that's playing really good football right now, too, especially when I look at, like, Baltimore, even the Dolphins. Gosh, I and, you know, the, the sad thing is, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, B, just because – it's different. So for every, you know, commander's performance, the Lions, uh, the Texans, teams that obviously have some professionalism and those guys either have incentive bonuses or they're consummate professionals, how do you explain, like, Green Bay and, and Dallas? And maybe they're two different things because Dallas is already in, but Green Bay had to win. So in a league where you can typically play it safe, how do you explain what we saw yesterday? Well, with Dallas, I think it's one of those instances you're already looking ahead, right? You already had your playoff spot. Now you could have improved your positioning. You could have done things to create some momentum going into postseason. You know, that's that's neither here nor there when you know that you already have a you're locked in and you're going to the postseason. Where the Packers are different, and maybe the answer is a little more simplistic than we were willing to give it maybe they're just not as good as what we expected them to be. Hey, I'll sit here and eat crow. I thought this is the year they finally would push into the Super Bowl. It got a little pie on my face this morning. But it just shows that that team regressed. Not only the team itself, but Aaron Rodgers has come down from that back-to-back MVP uh, level of play that he's had in recent seasons. So, I think the situations are different. It's all dependent on the makeup of the team. It's all dependent on the situation itself. And and we saw with the Cowboys, it was a letdown. Whereas the Packers, I just don't think they were as good as we everyone expected them to be. Speaking of the NFC North, what do you think is mo- more likely here, Brent? Do you think the Bears just trading away the number one overall pick come the draft? Or do you think it's trading Justin Fields and taking Bryce Young? Oh, trading the number one pick easily. Because I, I'm a Justin Fields believer. I will admit it publicly. He's, to me, an electrifying talent who's been placed in a very, very difficult position because the organization hasn't properly built around him during his first two seasons. And yet, he still finds ways to excel. Now, would you like to see him develop more as a passer? Absolutely. But simultaneously, he has an atrocious offensive line, no weapons around him aside from a decent running game, and he makes up a large portion of that running game, or if not the majority. So you continue to do everything in your power to build around him. In doing so, you, you leverage that number one overall pick to, to add assets, to go out and get wide receivers, to go out and get offensive linemen, and still potentially land an elite talent in a trade them. So I'll give you an example. One of the most interesting games yesterday – not only because of the outcome and how excited it was for, by two bad teams playing football, but the Colts and Texans, with the Texans' uh, loss, followed by Denver's win, the Colts moved to fourth in the draft slotting. Why is that important? Because they're a quarterback-needy team. Everyone knows they're desperate for production. They could trade up to number one. You can have Chicago move down to four, and that's not a huge drop, so they can still land an elite talent like a Will Anderson or a Jalen Carter. To me, that's the best, most logical path forward for the Chicago Bears. Right, let me ask you about can, – can I have the conversation and, and give Doug Peterson his due, even after 
18, 19, and 20 in Philly. And what he's been able to do in Jacksonville without talking about Urban Meyer. I, like, <laughs> it just seems like they're they're connected in the short term. But I just look at it as kind of a shot against Peterson where he's probably a better coach than most of us gave him credit for. Well, let me phrase it this way. I think Doug Peterson could be one of the front runners for NFL Coach of the Year. He's deserving of that honor based on the way he's built that team this year, right? And furthermore, he's getting the most now out of Trevor Lawrence, which is the primary objective when you <laughs> become the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. So the reason we can uh, constantly get that juxtaposition isn't just how Urban Meyer and his career went down in flames but because we are seeing the differentiation in the talent on the team, specifically with the most high-profile player on the squad, Trevor Lawrence now looks like a true franchise quarterback, a guy that was the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. Did he look like that guy at any point last year? No. Absolutely not. And, and Urban Meyer did no, uh, nothing to help him in that regard. So that's why you're going to constantly get it. But I agree that Peterson deserves far more credit. When looking at uh, the NFL rushing leaders, it, it comes as a surprise to probably a lot of people that Josh Jacobs led the NFL this year in rushing yards, a guy that didn't pick, get his fifth-year option picked up by the Raiders. So uh, in his situation moving forward, uh, where do you kind of see a, a team that could utilize a guy like Josh Jacobs? Well, what's fascinating about not just Jacobs, but the game and the way it's evolving. So if you look at the NFL this year, going into week 18, and I'd have to look at the stats because I haven't seen the updated version, but there were, as a whole in the league, running backs were averaging more yards per carry or per attempt than ever in NFL history, right? You have more 1,100-yard rushers uh, this year, almost doubling last year's output. So we're seeing this evolution from a defense that defenses have consistently tried to get faster, smaller, and more athletic to play in space. And the counterpunch from the offense is, hey, let's use more man-gap principles. Let's play power football. Let's punch you in the mouth because you're not going to allow us to push the ball downfield as much as we want to so we can create chunk plays in the run game. And so I know you asked me specifically about Jacobs, but I think we're looking and or sitting at the precipice of a – change in how we value the position and it's a great time to do it because it's not just josh jacobs you have multiple guys ready to to enter the free agent market and a very good running back class let's not forget Bijan robinson according to the bleacher report scouting department is a top five overall talent in this year's class so it's going to come down to which teams are going to start to value running backs more than we've seen in recent years. And I can't necessarily project those at the moment, so I apologize. But I think it's going to have more emphasis than we've seen over the last decade or so. Brett, who's, I'd be remiss not to get your opinion. Who's playing in the Super Bowl? I won't even hold you to a winner until we talk to you in a couple <laughs> of weeks. Who's playing in the Super Bowl? <laughs> Well, I already said that I've missed on the Packers, but I did have the Bills in the AFC, so I will stay there. On the NFC side of things, oh, I don't know which way I'm leaning. You know, uh, I, I will go yeah. out of the blue. I'll go out of the blue and say Minnesota. How's that? Wow. I'll give them their, give them their credit. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> oh good, man, good, we're good. holding you to that, and then good two weeks stuff. down the road. He'll be a genius. Let me give you one back stat. To you. One stat. 
<laughs> one stat, 11-0 and in one, one possession games this year. So they know how to win in close contests, which is what the uh, postseason is all about. Good Brent, man. thanks so much, man. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. You have a good one. Mark Weiser coming up next. Coffee and cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. We are a four-quarter team that we're going to continue to fight until zero-zero on that clock. Um, we're never going to give up on our brothers. Um, we speak on um, each and every week on how we are brotherhood here. Closing out the show, Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency, alongside Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers, live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club. And we're closing the show by talking to Mark Weiser, Georgia beat writer for the Athens Banner Herald. Mark, good morning. How are you doing this fine morning? Championship Monday. Championship morning. Monday morning as a Georgia reporter. Mark, how are you? Hey, how's it going? How's good, going? good, Mark. Good, good. Morning. Hey, Mark, real fast here because we do a little college pickums, uh, and we did a bunch of bowl game predictions. And uh, Damon, of course, comes away with a, a grand total of twenty. I don't know about of course. Um, so uh, you know, out of nowhere, Damon Benning, of course, knows his college football. Uh, but aside from that, Shane and I are tied right now, and it comes down to tonight's game. We both picked oh Georgia, <laughs> and whoever is closer to the total points, doesn't have to buy breakfast for the other two tomorrow morning. Yes, sir. Okay? Shane picked 72 points, and I picked 73 points for total points scored in this game. If you had to choose a total point, like, number, would it be under 72 or over 73 for this game? Uh, I think I want I don't necessarily expect another 42-41 game like Georgia just had, but um, I guess, you know, TCU just... So, I don't know. I, I, I think the, maybe they'll, they'll uh, button it down a little bit on defense. and um, But, you know, I guess the only bread bed on breakfast, so whatever. So I'm paying for breakfast. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> hey, so we heard from McIntosh in, in, in the, uh, the highlight there, and, and I'm looking at... At Georgia, listen, the great front four and the the speed on defense, and we have a hard time sometimes naming their starting trio of wide receivers or getting the respect they do for Stetson Bennett. When you look at this Georgia football team, in your opinion, how underappreciated are they as an offense as a whole? Well, I think the Georgia fan base uh, certainly appreciates it, especially because they've been waiting for an offense that can be this diverse and have so many different offensive weapons. You know, they don't have necessarily, uh, you know, a, a star receiver like, <clears throat> you know, Ohio State had, like TCU has. Um, well, they, they sort of do. A.D. Mitchell, Mitchell's but he's been out for, for most of the year with, with a uh, high ankle sprain, came back and had the big touchdown there with uh, under a minute to go. Um, but yeah, I mean, Brock Bowers is their, their biggest playmaker, and he's a he's a tight end and part of a terrific <clears throat> duo with Darnell Washington, who who may or may not play uh, tonight. Um, so you know, I mean, this is an offense that um, had been kind of, you know, it's it's RBU is kind of their bread and butter with, with Todd Gurley, with Nick Chubb, with Sonny Michelle. But you know, they set Seth and Bennett through for 399 yards the other, uh, you know, 10 days ago, whenever that game was. So. Um, you know, they're certainly a lot more exciting and um, 
Todd Monk and the offensive coordinator in his third year has really um, taken it to a new level. Speaking of Stetson Bennett, you know, this is a guy that didn't get a lot of love coming into this season. People kind of thinking like, hey, Stetson Bennett isn't as good as, as as we think he is because he plays on Georgia and Georgia's such a good team. But, I mean, he's kind of low-key the engine that makes this offense go. How important has his play been this year to get Georgia to this point? Yeah, I mean, I think he pretty much, you know, his story of being a, a former walk-on who had to transfer to a junior college and came back on, on scholarship um, was, you know, I think he made a bunch of believers when he beat Michigan, um, MVP of the Orange Bowl, beat Alabama, MVP of the national championship game, and, and look, Georgia's 14-0 now. He was a finalist for the Heisman. Um, you know, I, I think he's going to find his way onto an NFL roster somehow. Um, you know, so, you know, he certainly wasn't heralded coming out of high school, but I mean, it's hard to ignore, um, you know, what he's done in the last two seasons as Georgia, you know, one went away for another national title. And speaking of not being, uh, you used the word heralded, I remember when Smart was hired, right, in this transition of the SEC, and it was pretty lukewarm on the national level, right? And then, you know, it's trying to get over the hump, and yeah, he's just a good recruiter. But man, and we heard McIntosh say it again in the open, they talk about the culture and the chemistry. I listen to Kirby's pressers about guys playing and what it means and understanding being the hunted and a standard of play. Safe to say he's got this culture thing down pat. I, a couple Four years removed from the hire, he, Georgia fans got to feel like they did pretty well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's only 47 years old. He's in the national title game for the third time in six years. And, you know, his second year, mostly with Mark Rick's players, um, you know, and, and there's no sign of slowdown the way they're recruiting. Um, you know, he gets whatever he needs facility-wise, uh, financially, in terms of staff. There's a $500,000 buyout for to get an assistant coach that he wants. So George is writing that check. Um, you know, and, and he's totally, <laughs> wow. he's, he's totally driven. I mean, um, I'm sure if they win tonight, tomorrow morning, he's going to be uh, going through a to-do list of things he needs to do for next season. So, um, you know, there's no sign that, that this, uh, kind of trade is slowing down. TCU has kind of embraced that underdog role all season long, you know, being that team that nobody thought would make it to the national championship. You know, I think they were 200 to one odds, if I remember correctly. Um, and, and you know, they, do have some various weapons that could be cause for concern for Georgia, but when Georgia looks at TCU, they're concerned by actually what? Well, if if you saw what LSU did, 502 yards passing in the SEC championship game. Now, much of it was in the second half when Georgia had the game in control, um, and then C.J. Stroud you know, found a way to you know get out of the pocket, make plays with with his feet, and also um, in the passing game. Their secondary, uh, you know, has been torched the last couple of weeks, uh, but they made stops at the end when they needed to. Um, so I, I think TCU, obviously, with, with Max uh, Duggan and um, his core of receivers, uh, is a threat in, in a way he can run on design runs and scrambles. Um, you know, th- there's a challenge there. Mark, when you're taking a look at an X factor, I think some people were surprised by TCU's physicality and their style and 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 sometimes even um you know michigan players alluded to a little bit of the complexity and scheme you got to feel pretty good about the veteran leadership and big time performances of bennett and some guys having some experience when you look at 
the degree of difficulty that TCU can bring in terms of scheme? Yeah, I mean, they play a 3-3-5 defense that Georgia's seen you know, a couple of variations this year, I think, against Kent State, Mississippi State. Um, you know, but they're opportunistic on that side of the ball. I mean, there's, their defenses are not very impressive. Um, but they had a couple of pick sixes last week. <clears throat> and, and Stetson Bennett, um, you know, he's uh, known to have a, a player or two that, uh, you know, Kirby will, will get on him uh, on during the game. And, and so he really can afford that kind of thing. Um, in this game to, to allow TCU to keep it close with, uh, you know, a kind of a, a boneheaded type of, of play. But um, you know, he's been in these games. Uh, on the, He plays his best in these biggest games when, when you look at the final result. And, and so, uh, you know, I think Georgia feels good about his experience in this environment. We're speaking with Mark Weiser, Georgia beat writer for the Athens Banner Herald. You can follow him on Twitter at Mark Weiser. That's W-E-I-S-Z-E-R. Mark, when you say Georgia wins this game, Who's going to be the hero? What's going to be the hero play in this game? The storyline. Hmm, that's a good question. Um, you know, last year it was <clears throat> somebody we didn't expect. It was Keely Ringo with a pick six, uh, you know, to, to take it back and, and seal the deal. So um, I'm going to think it's going to be someone that, that, you know, is not necessarily on the top of our tongue. Somebody that, um, you know, they got so many four- and five-star recruits on this roster that are kind of waiting for their moment. So um, I can't really pull out a specific name, but, but it might not be Stetson Bennett, although – you know, Bennett seems to be the MVP in all these games. Somehow, somehow, some way, he's going to probably get that trophy. Mark, let me get you out of here on this. You know, listen, Kirby worked for Nick, and, and we know that story. And But he's coming to his own now. Georgia's arrived. They are, they are holding serve uh, and could win their second national championship. Is there talk, or do you just let the sleeping dog lie, that there has been a shifting of power? in the SEC? Yeah, I mean, that's been out there. I mean, I think Paul Feinbaum is, is kind of stoking that fire, um, you know, weekly. Uh, um, so, you know, I, I'm not sure. I don't think Kirby's going to, if they win tonight, he's not going to embrace that narrative. Uh, I think Stetson Bennett said the other day that, uh, you know, back-to-back isn't necessarily a dynasty. you got yeah, you got to keep, did, didn't you know, yeah. building them up. So, um, you know, I think there is kind of a, a changing of the guard, whether – you know, uh, you know, when you went back to back, I mean, you're, you're the hot team. You're, you're the you're the it factor. So, you know, Alabama's got to contend with that. But you know, Saban's got a uh, closet full of trophies still. <laughs> that that sounds weird to Mark, say. Mark, thanks so much. We appreciate your time. Uh, have some fun tonight. All right, should be good. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. That is Mark Weiser, Georgia beat writer for the Athens Banner Herald. And it's, it, it's always interesting if people want to accept that role, that mm-hmm. mantle, because sometimes you downplay it as though it's not really a thing. It's like if you don't say it out loud, then it's not really a thing. Other times people embrace it like, yeah, we're the new kids on the block. This is a great follow-up to our poll results of today. The poll question was, who are you taking tonight in the national championship game? Are you taking Georgia at minus 12.5, or are you taking TCU plus 13.5? And And the reason I put the spread in there was because if I just put Georgia-TCU, people would hammer Georgia because they are, you know, heavily favored in this game. But by putting these odds in, it's, it's kind of a little more difficult now that I'm looking at it. Um, I put minus 12.5 and, and plus 13.5 and for TCU. I, th- I meant 13.5 for both, but regardless, uh, it's back down to 12.5, and, and 65.6% of the audience thinks 13.5 in, in favor of TCU. Mm, interesting. And other news uh, on this Black Monday, what the Texans letting go of Levy Smith already? 
The Texans, we'll get into this in the morning dump too, because the Texans talk about a team that's like, hey, we plan for the future, we plan for this, and then they fire a coach back-to-back years after one season. Doesn't seem like You're not going to be planning for any sort of future, (laughs) regardless of, hey, a one-and-done coach next year, beside that. But we'll get into that in morning dump, and you can head that direction now, because that's where we're going to continue talking about things that we can't get to on Coffee and Cream in the morning. Until tomorrow, we'll see you then.